0: Welcome back to Remote Life. My name is Han Talbot, also known as Han Weeks World, and today we will be chatting with Jen Ruiz. Based in Puerto Rico, Jen is a five-time best-selling author on Amazon, TEDx speaker, and solo travel expert, helping travelers and digital entrepreneurs to work from anywhere while seeing the world. In this episode, we talk more about how Jen got started on her own remote life journey, the different ways of making money on the road, and how you can also take your first steps to going remote in 2022. So grab a coffee, a tea, or something stronger, and let's get started. Jen, thank you so much for joining us on the Remote Life podcast. How are you? I'm doing very well. How are you? I'm doing good. Kind of just starting to readjust back to the days of the week again, <laughs> first week of January and all the rest of it. <laughs> yes,
1: I think we all know that
0: feeling. Yeah, yeah. It's been such a weird kind of couple of weeks uh, in general. But anyway, let's get straight on into it. So tell us a little bit about your story and a bit about your mission when you set out travelling. Sure.
1: Well, I started off as an attorney. I actually was practicing law up until just a few years ago when I decided to go full time as a travel blogger. But what really sparked my interest in travel was a 12 trips in 12 months challenge that I took the year before my 30th birthday because I wanted to send out my 20s in style, having spent so much time studying and doing, you know, kind of the responsible thing. I wanted to do something a little irresponsible and a little bit just frivolous. And for me, you know, to celebrate and to be young and crazy, including taking sick leave to go on hot air balloon rides and an international festival and to be on a live taping of the two at at Epcot. So there are a lot of different experiences that I had that I definitely don't regret. And after that year, I wrote my first book on affordable flights. And that is what led me to... Actually, transition into being a full time travel blogger because I saw that I could make money online. And I had that small proof of concept just in showing me that I would be able to make a transition. I was already teaching English online. So I had that kind of as an hourly salary and something to fall back on because I had been doing that in the mornings before going to work to fund all of my trips that year. But having that proof of concept with my own book that I self published showed me that I could be this digital entrepreneur in addition to just kind of a remote employee and it opened all new doors for me and that's how I ended up where
0: I am today. Amazing and highly recommend going and checking out your books. I found them on Amazon but people can find them on your website as well? Yes you'll find the links on there to Amazon
1: and if there's anything else that you want to see like I'm working on audiobooks now so I'm always open to feedback in terms of new formats that people are interested in. Amazing. Are you still teaching English now? No. So I stopped teaching English, I would say maybe about a year into being a full-time travel blogger as I transitioned into other income streams. And I'm happy that that was the case because I actually believe that the company I worked for, VIP Kid, now is having some problems with their foreign tutors because of regulations in China saying that you can't have foreign tutors for local education or something of the sort. So I'm happy that I was able to transition out of that before that went away. And I think that that's kind of that false sense of security that people get with a steady paycheck. And I think I had that definitely with Kid. even though I knew I was getting paid less than what I could potentially earn doing other things. I felt secure knowing that I had something I was doing regularly that was going to submit a regular paycheck. But in reality, there's no security there because now look, that's not an opportunity I would have had available to me. At this point in time, I would have had to find an alternative alternative anyway. And I just think that it's actually better to diversify your income streams and to have lots of different eggs in your basket versus relying on that kind of one quote unquote steady paycheck that may leave or something may happen at any point in time to that. So it was really interesting to have that mindset shift and to see how that turned out. And I'm grateful that I was able to find other ways to monetize my online brand and presence to make up
0: for the absence in that income with the kit. Do you mind explaining That That makes total sense. Um, and I think that's like advice is all this time, right? It's to diversify your income. So if, you know, even if pre-pandemic, that was such a huge piece of advice that everybody was talking about. But obviously now more than ever, it's so crucial. Would you mind just telling us like or just listing off what your multiple incomes are? Absolutely. So oh, I completely
1: agree with you. I think that it's a phrase that's very can be cliche, but really it's something that I didn't understand until I made the transition to full-time entrepreneur and saw that initially I had that craving, kind of you want to go back to what you know and the familiar. Mm -hmm. And so I had moments where I was so frustrated and I just wanted to be back at a regular paycheck and back at something that I wasn't kind of not knowing what was coming the next month and constantly having to pitch and be on the go. And so that's something that now I realize was a limited way of thinking. And I've learned from a lot of self-development books, a lot of money management books. that the way to get wealthy is by being your own boss in some way, by having investments, by having passive income streams, by having active income streams, by having different you know companies that you found yourself or different business models that you are the head of. And that's really the way to amass money beyond just this amount that you're limited to every month in a paycheck. Even if you get a raise, it just doesn't make the kind of difference that having multiple income streams make. And that's something I realized when I started teaching online, because even if I had gotten a raise as an attorney, let's say a five or $10,000 raise, it wouldn't have come out to much more monthly. Mm -hmm. And with teaching online, I was able to make, you know, an extra $2,000 a month or so in my spare time. And that was something that did come out to actually Mm -hmm. be substantial and help me travel more. So I was able to see the benefits of having multiple income streams. And so now to answer your question, um, some of my income streams include self-publishing books, ads on my website, speaking engagements, uh, at times webinars or consultations that I will hold myself. Uh, I have like online courses and different products that I offer. It's hard to always think of them off the top of my head. It's because it's hard to keep track of all of them, um, but there's so many. And I would say, oh, brand partnerships, that's a big one. And so that's, I would say, the main ones that I'm able to monetize. And I try to pick which ones are being the most lucrative, like brand partnerships can be very lucrative, but they're also active, um, meaning that you have to put in a lot of time and hours into making that money. Oh, freelance writing is another one, freelance travel writing for different outlets. That's another one that can be very time consuming um, because you have to pitch different outlets constantly. You have to actually write the article. You're waiting months to have it be printed or for you to be paid. So it can be really difficult to pursue some of these different methods. And I try to find which ones are giving me the most money with the most ease and then capitalize off of that. So brand partnerships are one, even though they're active, but things like traffic and revenue to my website that I monetize with ads through Mediavine, that's one of my favorite income streams because it's done on blog posts that I've already published and it's on content that I've already created. So I don't feel the need to constantly be creating new things. I mean, obviously you want to update your blog, but it's just not the same kind of pressure or deadline that you have as when you're part of a campaign and have deliverables due. So it depends, I think. And it really... It depends on the person and what you find works best for you. But I would try to identify which income stream you enjoy and then try to narrow it down more so so that you're really focusing the bulk of your time on those that make you the most
0: money. Amazing, amazing insights in there. And what I'm kind of getting, and I feel free to disagree, but it it's almost like a kind of, instead of the age old getting, earning money for your time, it's earning money for value instead kind of an old switch up when you start going freelance and remote exactly absolutely and that's why freelancers do such a good job
1: because they're able to especially those that can kind of crank it out or outsource or just get it down to a science how they produce content Um, if they build it up they can have their own mini empire digital empire with very little hands-on managing of it day-to-day required so there's a lot of possibilities and I think that when you don't Take that leap, it's because you're scared that you won't be paid as a freelancer because you won't have enough value to provide. And that's a mental, that's a mental block that people really have to get over. People thinking that the market's already so saturated mm-hmm. that there's no way to stand out, that it makes it difficult to find clients, that it makes it difficult to keep clients, that you have to offer your services highly discounted. All of these are a lot of mental blocks that keep people in that safety kind of security blanket of working for a salary because They don't want to have to deal with them, and they don't want to have to tackle those hurdles, and it can be really challenging to have to face all of that that comes with being an entrepreneur. So it's not for everybody, but it can be really rewarding, and it can provide you with more financial freedom and more, you know, freedom with how you spend your time than anything else. And that's why I do advocate for freelancing, for starting your own online business, for being an entrepreneur of any sorts, for doing investments, for starting passive income streams as a side hustle. I think all of those are smart money moves. and our moves that we should be exploring more of because
0: none of us are getting any younger you know we gotta <laughs> gotta start amassing our, our millions now very true that but it, do you know that's something that seems to have come up a lot and I found that I get asked that question especially now because I'm three years into my freelance journey but and while it was sort of something having that kind of resilience and that tenacity was already something that I sort of had having built that up from project management full-time and doing stra- like communication strategy full-time. So in a way, like I'm still nervous when I started, but I kind of already had this knowledge of I know what I'm like when I've I'm dealt with a challenge. Did you have something similar or was that something that you kind of had to learn for yourself when you took the loop? No, I took a lot of comfort
1: in my degree. And then knowing that in worst case scenario, I had paid, you know, $200,000 or so um, <laughs> for a law degree that should afford me the opportunity to be gainfully employed at any point in time. Right. Most law firms, I would say... of them are just kind of turnover law firms that are constantly hiring and constantly having new people. And so maybe not the most desirable places to work, but easy to get employed there. So I think I knew, and I had that sense of job security in knowing that I may not like the first job available, but I could certainly find a job available doing Mm -hmm. kind of mundane front work, paperwork, attorney stuff. So I took that as a consolation because now I don't use my extensive degree and I maybe didn't need it. But so I try to find what are the pros. And I think having that as something to fall back on, having my title to use if I ever need to you know, sign off on agreements, negotiate contracts with brands, things of the sort, that really helps me. So it helps me gain credibility when I'm trying to be featured in different outlets. So there are always pros. And I think education was, was my fallback specifically and how I was able to gain that confidence in in going freelance. And then it also took a big humility, you know, spoon to just have to sit there and, and go from telling people, you know, what do you do? I'm an attorney to like, what do you do? I teach English online. So there were actually months where I didn't even share that with people. And I was just trying to talk about my travel blogging because it seemed embarrassing. To go from practicing law to doing like a $20 online teaching gig. And so it was something, and I have a lot of respect for teachers and I have a lot of respect for people that do digital nomad jobs. And I understand how difficult it is. And really they get the kids are amazing. And, and my mom is a teacher. So I just think that it was. Something where I had so much prestige associated with being an attorney and being the first person in my family to be an attorney and to graduate from this, um, from law school and all of that, that it felt like just leaping into this field of the unknown digital world was a big scary monster to tackle and so I still dealt with it for a long time even after seeing initial signs of success you know my TED talk I had by the end of that year that I turned full-time my first one my I've published you know multiple books since then I won an award with my first book which was all encouraging things along the way that should have maybe kept me thinking like I'm on the right path but I still I still found myself searching LinkedIn postings to be like I don't know, should I, find work at like NBC doing like copywriting for $30,000 a year or something ridiculous and that I didn't want to do, but I would still for some reason just go and old habits would, you know, and old insecurities would always rear their heads. So I would say it's until just recently where I've really begun embracing what I do, embracing the uncertainty that comes with it, feeling certain and living in more abundance rather than scarcity. So being certain that I'm going to have opportunities continue to come my way, that things are only going to get better. Um, and that's taken a lot of internal practice and self-work. That thankfully, we've had a lot of downtime during the pandemics just to vote to so being your best self. So, uh... oh, yes. <laughs> and... I don't
0: sorry, sorry. I hope that we all know it. <laughs>
1: It's got me cheery, you know, just to kind of listen to positive things, to tune down to gloomy news and to really work on trying to change my mindset, trying to get out of my own way when it comes to making money, when it comes to Mm -hmm. taking my business to the next level, when it comes to dealing with competition. You know, I think we, especially at this time and with the scarcity mindset and with the idea that there's so little to go around and it can happen very often to freelancers who feel like they have to compete for a job. Mm -hmm. You know, we see other people have wins and then we automatically think, why not us? Mm -hmm. Instead of thinking, you know, that's amazing that they, that, great for them and I'm next, you know, that kind of mindset and cheering on the people that you see do good things because the more that you cheer something on, the more likely it is that it's going to come to you versus you sitting there and resenting other people for happiness. So these are all things that I think you have to work on as an entrepreneur, if you're not going to lose your mind, otherwise mm-hmm. you will let the insecurities and the constant comparison and the numbers game and, and how many followers
0: do you have and how many views do you have? And but how also, much money did you get paid? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But also the people around you, I found as well, because that for me has, mm-hmm. le- it's not that my wider community has necessarily changed. It's I found over the last you know, three years for me, it's been about who, is close to me, I guess. Like, who was like, you know, you know, how they say, like, you are a product of the five people closest to you. I think that's something that's come up massively for me, especially in the last couple of years, because it's like, if you've got, you know, a core group of people who hype you up no matter what, like, on your down days, I'll say, right, okay, I hear you, but let's go. I think that it makes, has made a massive difference to how I approach my work as well. I can't tell if it's the pandemic or if it's just simply that I have adjusted my kind of approach accordingly, let like my freelance not plan but my freelance mentality I guess accordingly to so surround myself with people who are like, you can do this rather than people who tell me I'm weird for doing something that's not very normal normal. I say with kind of you know in quotes air quotes. would you agree?
1: Yes, and your income will actually also be determined by the five people that you most associate Mm -hmm. with. You'll vary like by 20% or so, but it helps to just associate yourself with amazing people in this space. Thankfully, I think in the travel blogging space, there Mm -hmm. are so many really talented wise, generous people that want to share their knowledge, that want to connect mm-hmm. with you. I've been able to meet a lot of them at conferences. I'm friends with many through Facebook groups and social media platforms. Mm-hmm. So I think that it's easy to find community if you know where to look and if you're as active in the community as what you hope to get out of it. So I think that those mm-hmm. are both really important things. I know a lot of people that are bloggers and have never been to a travel blogging conference, you know, whereas I'll go to maybe two or three a year. So the first one can seem intimidating, but And the more you go to, it really is like catching up with old friends. And it's nice to have a community of people that you can chat with. I've had mastermind groups this past year of just other female bloggers that know what I'm doing. I've had here where I live, we have a lady bosses group that meets every month and we have a book club and all of these are amazing kind of CEO women and we're reading books that are meant to challenge us. And so it absolutely helps to have a community and not do things alone and more so now than ever.
0: I completely, completely agree. So Just thinking about kind of your day-to-day or your average week, what does that look like for you then?
1: Most of the time I'm home. I do like to have a home base. Mm -hmm. I know other people get a thrill of digital nomad life, but I find I get really anxious when I'm living out of a suitcase and I don't have space for the souvenirs I want to buy and things are not straight or, you know, they're really wrinkled or I don't have any one particular tool I would have at the house that I don't have there or all my equipment. So I do like to have a home base. And for me, that is Puerto Rico. And it has been for the last two years. They have generous tax policies here for digital nomads. And I was born on the island. So it was a natural fit. I really enjoy being here, even though it has its pros and cons. But I live in a community, as I mentioned, that has a lot of digital nomads and people that are doing e-commerce and uh, courses and podcasts. And so all kinds of people here that are great to connect with. So that's where I'm based. And I think day to day I would be here. I would be doing some kind of writing. I would wake up, I'd do self development work, some kind of audiobook or podcast I'd listen to to get my mindset right, do some kind of affirmation, set my goals for the day. Then from there, I would go work out. I would come back and have breakfast and then I try to knock out my most pressing project right away when I have the most energy. So if that's writing an article, that's due that day. If that's, you know, writing a blog post, if that's reviewing something, if it's producing content, I would try to get that knocked out earlier. I would maybe have some meetings during the afternoon, possibly meeting with, you know, an opportunity or a different PR person, any kind of meetings, podcast interviews. And then I would do on social media, heavy interaction at night, because I feel like that's when I would have more of a bandwidth for it and can kind of zone out and do that for hours mindlessly a little bit. Um, and then from there, I try to set my goals for the next day, see what I didn't accomplish, see what really needs to be put at the top of that priority list. And that's my day to day. And then I have it interspersed with a lot of local trips, a lot of press trips, a lot of conferences. So I could be taking on a regular you know, situation, usually two to four trips a month. With the pandemic, it has slowed, but it started up again this last half of 2021. So I was able to take, I would say, at least a dozen trips during that time. And I expect to still be traveling pretty consistently in 2022. So
0: that's what my routine consists of. Love it, amazing! And you talked about affirmations. um You also have been super on it, chatting about vision boards. And I saw today that you just posted your twenty twenty two one. Do you want to tell us a bit about that? And but also, what stuck out for me also is how you want to look after, kind of do more self care and looking after your mind as well. So, do you want to talk us through a little bit about that and what you're maybe like, not necessarily a solid plan, but kind of some things you'd like to aim for? this year Absolutely. I was actually
1: new to vision boarding. The first time I did one was in the beginning of 2021, but it was because I was sitting there, I think, in the middle of the pandemic. And that's what pushed me to try all these new things like dancing on TikTok in April of 2020, you know, and <laughs> trying the vision board. Because why not? I mean, why the sky not? is falling. So <laughs> what do we got to lose? Um, and I I also had just finished reading an audiobook by or listening to an audiobook by Jen Shinchero mm-hmm. on where she mentioned that a vision board was like an arts and crafts project with the universe. And so I love arts and crafts, I love projects, I was a big nerd in school, and that really got my attention. So I decided to just go that day and get a board and do it. And I really put a lot of intention into the images that I cut out. It felt like I was finding images that were uniquely tailored to me and the things that I was looking for. And then I just put that all down on the board. And to my surprise, a good amount of them came true in a lot of surprising ways from getting a literary agent to becoming part mm-hmm. of the Points Sky Travel Advisory Panel, where I had a stipend to travel anywhere. I and mean, I had the words, you know, travel anywhere literally on my board. So a lot of different, uh, really great things that came out of it. And so this year, I figured, why not? You know, if the woo-woo stuff works, why <laughs> why fix it if it's not broken? may as well keep it up. So yeah. I actually hear that you're supposed to kind of write down what happened and your gratitude on the old vision board, kind of seal that up, put it aside and then get the new vision board ready. I did have it in a place where it was readily visible every day while I was working. I did think about the images a lot and I would just like stop and think about them, picture my life with these things that I wanted. And then they just started manifesting themselves in all different ways. A good amount of my board, I'd say like 70% of it came true. And I think the rest of it's on its way to coming true. And just maybe a year was a ambitious time. You know, I had like my boyfriend falling in love like the wedding and children all in one year and I feel like that's that's a little rushed um but, <laughs> but we accomplished the first part you know we're I think we're on our way to the second and that's an example of how like with my first vision board I'm realizing how it comes to you and what goals to put on there similarly like to go from agent to like book deal to having like this top book was a lot to have think is going to gonna happen in the first year but I was very happy to find that I had you know, taking significant steps in that regard. So I'm very happy with how I came out. I'm excited for this new vision board and what 2022 will hold. And I just don't think that you lose anything by trying it, right? Like, even if you think it's silly, why not? We're talking about your dreams. So would that not merit you doing something a little silly or trying something outside the box? Because why not? If it helps you get what it is that you want in life, give it a shot. And so, for me, mindset, visualization, affirmations, all of that has been really important. And I do believe in energy. And I think that I've had a different energy since that happened. And since I've really started investing in myself development, and I'm seeing more and more opportunities come to me without me having to fight for it so much, right? People want to recommend me to things when you're a pleasant person rather than when you're sitting there constantly wondering why it's not your turn. And these are really hard things to overcome because they're healings that we have. But a lot can happen and you kind of need to work on your self-development constantly if you're going to be a freelancer or an online business owner, because you're constantly going to have imposter syndrome and you're constantly going to feel like mm. you're in, you know, you made a mistake or you should go back to the safety blanket of a steady salary. And you need to have that mindset of like, no, you're doing amazing. Your talents are like much needed and in demand and you are uniquely you, like <laughs> you need that.
0: So uh, unless mentor? you- I feel like especially with things like vision boards as well or having, for me, I I use Pinterest boards now because obviously I'm on the move so much, but it's just about keeping, and this is the project management nerdy side of me coming out, but when you're working on a project or you're trying to aim for something, you need something to kind of remind you of that, right? It's kind of like, oh yeah, I'm on track or, oh, maybe I could work on a bit of this today. Like, oh yeah, I said I was going to do this. Okay, let's, let's keep the vision alive as well.
1: Yes, I totally agree with you. Um, accountability helps. And that's where it helps to have a community, helps to announce your goals to your community and kind of what it is that you're hoping to do in general mm-hmm. so that people know what you're working on and you don't just back out of it. If you say you're going to write a book, tell people you're going to write a book so that they know to expect your book and you don't, you can't just stop writing it now because you know that you already told people you were writing it.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: so accountability really helps and your community can go a long way towards that.
0: Completely, and just going back to self care, like what kind of things do you do, or you may be hoping to implement in twenty twenty two? Because I feel like that's a big thing that comes up for freelancers. There's especially now that we're coming out of this sort of hustle boss girl kind of era, and we're trying to be more aware of how we treat ourselves, like and when we're working, or and even just the work life balance in general. What are some of the things that you try to keep yourself doing, or something you do for yourself? Definitely fitness routinely. I think that's really important. And treating myself to good food.
1: That's another thing. i try to upgrade the quality of the food I'm eating. So you don't necessarily have to go on these crazy diets, but I do advocate for getting the better version of what it is you're eating. So instead of getting these processed foods and these processed sugars, getting these kind of natural 100% honey versus like the extract or the other substances or 100% maple sugar versus like the regular stuff that they give you. So it just helps to upgrade what it is that you're putting into your body because ultimately that's your fuel. Fitness is really important. Because it's going to keep you sane and it's going to keep your posture good as somebody that's going to be hunched over for long periods of time over your computer. And in general, I would say relationships of some sort. So it's also important, like you said, to have a community of people that you can go to when things get rough that you want to just vent and that you want to share or get insights from, I think that's really helpful and it can make you feel like you're not alone. And that's where going to conferences, joining these Facebook groups, developing masterminds can make all the difference in terms of you actually enjoying being a freelancer or you dreading doing it every day and just returning to a job that you didn't like kind of deflected thinking, Oh, that didn't work out.
0: Amazing. Just taking a couple steps back. Obviously, you kind of started your journey when you were 30. Is there anything that you would give, like any advice you would give 20-year-old Jen about taking this lifestyle? And also, is there anything you'd maybe tell 30-year-old Jen knowing what you know now? Sure. So the impetus for this journey was the year before my 30th birthday
1: but I had done some traveling beforehand I'd spent a summer in Sydney Australia by myself that kind of sparked my love for solo travel and I'd gone with my mom for two weeks after high school to Europe that I ended up leading our trip versus going with the organized tour that she had booked because I realized I could book I could do the trip better than the organized tour so both of the things I think prepped me for ultimately taking travel more seriously and it sparked my interest in it overall so I would Say advice that I would give 30 year old Jen, or I would say 20 year old Jen, I would tell her to enjoy more and stop being so self conscious. I think I've always been a perfectionist in so many ways. And so I think like I've never really taken all the bikini pictures because I thought I didn't look as attractive in the bikini. And then afterwards, you realize that you were never be that skinny again in your life. And so <laughs> you should have taken the picture. Um, and so that's what I would tell her, you know, like be less. Self-conscious. just take the picture, live in the moment, do the things and don't worry so much about how you look to the world. And then beyond that, I would say to 30-year-old Jen, I would probably just tell her to get excited because the journey is going to have a lot of surprises and I think that she was a lot more scared than excited going into this uh, transition. So I would just tell her to anticipate it eagerly because there's lots of good things in store.
0: I think that's a motto for life, really. Get excited. Get excited. <laughs> I can apply for myself. Get excited. Oh. <laughs> and also we talked a bit about um making money already in a ways that you, you're you doing already. And I love just how many there are. Like it's like I feel like people think that there's just not like that many opportunities. But with the internet today, now more than ever, I swear you can make money doing so much. So, Jen, final question from me. What would your top Can pieces of advice be for people who are hoping to take the remote leap in 2022?
1: I would say, first and foremost, work on your mindset, make sure that you feel Ready to take the leap. And I think you can do that with so many small steps every day. Just reading books to help become more knowledgeable in your trade, listening to podcasts, you know, finding other people that have done the leap so that you can better follow them and see what they're doing and be in their footsteps. I think that that really helps you get ready to take the leap. I think once you do take the leap, it would help to. Have a community of people that you can rely on for when things get rough because they will. And I think that the quicker that you find that community, the easier your journey will be. And beyond that, I would recommend that you persist because nothing is ever an instant hit, even though it looks like it, even though it may seem like an overnight success, all of these overnight successes have worked for years to get there. And it takes a little bit of time. It can take you less time if you network with the right people, if you invest in the right learning and the right tools, but it still takes time to grow a following. It takes time to get clients. It takes time to build your testimonials, your reputation. You know, it takes time. And so I would recommend that you not get discouraged by the first couple of obstacles that you face and think that that's a sign that you're not meant to do it. It's just a sign that you're doing it right. You're meant, you know, you're going to come across obstacles. It's a sign that you're growing. It's a sign that you're challenging yourself. So don't be easily deterred and understand that everybody that's been successful has had to go through the same thing. Like Nas Daily talks a lot about, he did a thousand day kind of video challenge and he talks a lot about how like day 150 or something, he was just feeling so dejected and he'd seen that uh, this other random, you know, cat video on YouTube got 10 million views and his barely got 10 and he was just going to sit there and cry about it that day instead of making another video. I don't know if it was a cat video specifically, but some other video that really didn't have a lot of substance and he obviously works to make his very substance heavy mm-hmm. and so he was going to not just give up and he decided to do a video again that day because if he missed it that day he'd miss it the next day he would mm-hmm. not keep up with the challenge that he set for himself and so even though it seemed like it wasn't working even though it seemed like people weren't responding he still kept going and now he's one of the most successful content creators out there so that's a common story that you'll find mm-hmm. amongst a lot of successful people especially in the online space it may take you a while to find what distinguishes you even if you are an instant hit right off the bat at like the guy that started asking about people who drive luxury cars on tiktok what they do for a living and like instantly went to like five million uh the new money lawyer that just went she's at like seven million in her first two months on tiktok and so there's a bunch of people that it seems like they have really rapid growth and success but even they're going to be chasing facing challenges you don't know about they may have problems monetizing they may have problems you know building out staff or figuring out how to do things it just takes time so be kind to yourself and persist and just know that just showing up is a big part of the battle in and of itself and I wish you all luck on your journey beautiful love that it's not if you make
0: it it's when you'll make it Exactly. Mm-hmm.
1: Exactly, and understand that uh, your definition of making it doesn't have to be like this arbitrary threshold of a million people. Like you'll find little ways that you're making it along the way with a really satisfied client, or a really heartwarming testimonial, or a lovely, uh, like a lovely gift that somebody gives you that you didn't expect but is so touching. You know, there's lots of ways that you're going to be encouraged along the way if you're on the right path, and you're going to see that your work is appreciated and it doesn't have to be just these arbitrary standards of awards or this many followers or anything like that so just i hope that you can find the the joy and the rewards every day in your work and that you continue trying to be a better version than you were the day before
0: thank you so much for listening to this episode of the remote life and thank you jen for your awesome insights you can find links to her website and socials below tag jen at jen on a jet plane and myself han at han meets world and let us know if you're taking the remote leap this year you can also find the podcast on instagram at the remote life podcast thank you so much again for listening and we can't wait to remote work with you again soon